Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. And make sure to check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And now, the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast. Your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Hey, Tribe. So we've got a little bit of exciting news and a sort of a secret behind that news to share with you today. So the big news is that Casey's book, Shake Up Learning, is out and the buzz is circulating all over the place. And so that's very exciting. But we have a little bit of a story behind the story to share with all of you um, related to that. And it has to do with sort of a key term that Casey uses in her book. So Casey, do you want to tell us that little secret? Yeah, it, it really just kind of occurred to me, the connection between what I call dynamic learning in the book to you, of course, Matt, because I can't seem to make it through a presentation where I'm not talking about my podcast partner and sharing all of the wonderful stuff that you're doing. But I believe the first time I used the term dynamic learning was during the original Ditch Summit. Yeah, I think. I think so. And now somebody's going to go back and watch the video to make sure. But I'm 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 (laughs) I'm pretty sure. And and, you know, it's kind of funny how the word came to be anyway, because it's not really defining something new. It's just defining the things that all of us are sort of fighting for in the classroom. But I didn't have the vocabulary to really explain it to the teachers who just don't get it, you know? And I I feel like a lot of the people probably listening are part of our choir, so to speak, right? And they get it. They understand. Yeah. But the but when I'm trying to help a teacher who say, you know, is asking me how to put her worksheet into Google Classroom, you know, I'm like, well, but, the, you, you know, you're eliminating the options to collaborate, you know, and I'm trying to stay positive. And so I caught myself 
using that word dynamic, I'm like, it really could be much more dynamic, like trying Mm -hmm. to put a positive spin on it and trying to explain sort of the difference between the old school way of doing things and how technology has given us this opportunity to do things different. And so that's sort of the story behind where this this came from. And it's it's back to good old Jimmy Matt here and his ditch summit. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And it was great to have you on there. And um, yeah, I still, I still remember hearing that and I'm like, oh, wow, that's a really good way to explain that. So um, now to, to kind of play along with that, we're actually going to dig into this idea of dynamic learning today, aren't we? We are, we're going to have some fun. Yeah, definitely. So we'll have some, uh, some discussion about this whole dynamic learning thing. We'll do Google news and updates, of course, as we usually do. We've got feedback from all of you in the tribe and some blogs to share. So are we ready to do this? Let's go. Okay, Tribe, we are going to jump into some Google News and Updates. And the first one I have, you've probably already seen this by now, but if not, we did get a little update inside Google Sites. So that is something I know a lot of people have been paying attention to. We really want to add some extra power to the new Google Sites. And this is going to allow you to set a custom favicon for your site. So if you don't know what that word means, and we will not pause to argue about it is just the little icon that appears in your tab so when you're browsing in the web browser or chrome or wherever you are and you see those little icons and you know like i know i have a custom one for my website and most websites do so this is going to give you the ability to do that and so you can do that now actually from the the button at the top that says publish and they've got this nice I'm sorry, the three dots next to publish. And they've got this nice little GIF on the the blog post that will show you step by step. And essentially, you just go, you know, browse to find the image and upload it into that. So you can customize Google Sites a little bit more. Yes, absolutely. Those little touches are kind of nice and being able to do those within sites is really good. So uh, next one we have for you has to do with Google Maps. Google Maps according to the uh, the release from Google, has learned some new languages. So Google Maps is now even more available throughout the world. Um, you know, we were just talking in the last episode about the next billion users, or the, yeah, the next billion users um, program that they're doing to make the internet a little bit more available to people in developing countries. And so now Google Maps is also available in, among other languages, Armenian, Bosnian, Hebrew, Indonesian, Kazakh, Norwegian, Persian, Serbian, Turkish, Ukrainian, and Uzbek. In case you need to look up directions in Uzbek now, you should be able to do that. So there you go. We are becoming more and more global with our Google Maps usage. Hey, maybe I can pick up another language. <laughs> ah, there you go. You'll learn it, but you'll, you'll at least know all the direction words, you know? Yes, yes. So uh, we did get a pretty big update from Google. So if you haven't heard... Acer has released something called the Chromebook Tab 10. And this is huge, y'all. So this is the Chromebook running on a tablet, essentially. So they've been listening to feedback from educators from around the world, which is one of the reasons why I love Google. They pay attention. 
And they wanted uh, teachers are asking for all of the benefits of the Chromebook, but in that tablet form. And, you know, we've forever had this debate of the tablet versus the laptop slash Chromebook. So they're really trying to bridge that gap. And, you know, using the tablet is going to give you the ability to do things with the camera, like AR and VR, and really bring things together. So it is, you know, same type of shareable device, which has made the Chromebooks so popular. And they have offered this now. And I actually am looking for the date to see if we have the official release date. But I know I have been seeing these at conferences. They're showing them off. And the Chromebook Tab 10 comes with support for all of the learning applications that are in the Play Store as well. So um, you're going to be able to get hands-on and and use these things very, very soon. So if you are one of those schools that happens to be contemplating your next device, this could be it. So I'm excited to get my hands on one of these. And it's been very interesting because this was announced the day before the new iPad was announced. Oh, wow. How about that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And the potential for these. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about. And just like you mentioned, the, the AR and VR potential in this, I think, is is huge, too. So, yeah, definitely something to keep our eyes on. And then the last thing that we've got, just to add a little bit of bright happiness to your day, it is now easier than ever to find and share gifts Casey would call them GIFs. I'm going to call them GIFs, and we're not going to get into that with Google because Google has acquired the GIF platform Tenor. And so if you've ever used Tenor before, um, it's basically this, this great repository of animated GIFs, these animated images. And so... Google is going to start integrating those into different places like Google Images. If you use an Android phone, they'll be incorporating those into the Gboard, which is, you know, basically your keyboard with all the different functions. And so a um, little bit easier to respond with, you know, like... Uh, you know, Kevin from the office or some minions or, you know, whatever it is that is your favorite animated GIF, uh, you'll be able to squeeze those into things a little bit easier. I love it. I just inserted one into our show notes. So <laughs> Jimmy, Matt, we just became best friends. <laughs> Yay. I love it. That's great. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So uh, that is going to wrap up our Google news and update for this episode and updates, I should say, but you can go get the links to everything that we've talked about in the show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 51. So let's dive into today's featured content, which is such an important topic, I think, in education. And it's the idea of dynamic learning. And I think, you know, especially in today's age where we've got lots of technology, where we know more about best practices and um this is just something that I think is more doable in schools than maybe ever before. And we have so many good examples of teachers that are doing it. And, um, you know, this, this whole dynamic learning thing is, is really sort of an exciting movement that, that you're starting to see kind of running all through schools. And of course, it's a big part of Casey's book, uh, the, the shake up learning book. So Casey, can you tell us a little bit just sort of what dynamic learning is? Sure. So as I mentioned earlier, it was really just 
me trying to find a new way to explain things. And I feel like we have so many amazing things happening in our classrooms, but a lot of times they they tend to get tagged by these super trendy uh, ideas like makerspaces and genius hour and all those things, which are fabulous. Right. Don't get me right. wrong. But at the same time, those are not ideas that translate into every classroom for every teacher. You know, we, we have to have to think about the, the whole. And so I started thinking, okay, what are the commonalities between the different characteristics, the things that we want to see in the classroom? And so I started developing this definition and, and trying to figure out a better way to explain it because, you know, I don't want I, I feel like teachers can get so over it. They're like, well, I'm supposed to be doing coding and I'm supposed to be doing robotics right. and I'm supposed to have this and that and that. And, and they just give up, you know? And so I wanted it to be something that's accessible to not only the tech savvy teacher, but sort of the technophobe. And so these were my, my definitions. So I defined da- dynamic learning is characterized by constant change in activity it's learning that takes place organically, growing and evolving throughout the year using more unconventional means with the learner collaborating, creating and communicating to demonstrate progress and mastery. This learning and the completion of projects often extends beyond the boundaries of this traditional school day, beyond the physical location of the classroom, and even beyond the traditional notion of hard and fast due dates. And really, the word that I use a lot when I go into depth is how to go beyond, beyond what we're already doing, beyond what we thought was possible, because these tools have opened new doors for new types of learning in our classroom. And so, you know, I feel like the opposite of that is is what I call static learning, you know, and that is so much of the one and done. And I felt like that's that happened a lot in my classroom, you know, okay, we're going to complete this and then you turn it in and the kids forget about it. But how can we use these tools that we have almost 24 seven now realize there are exceptions to that, but we need to be making use of this. Like the learning doesn't have to stop just because the bell rang. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, within all of that, one of the things that i love about this idea of dynamic learning is that there are some really practical ways that you can use G Suite to do this. And one of my favorite ones, I have to say, is just the idea of opening up discussion within learning. And, you know, one of the easiest ways I think to do that is just using the commenting features within docs or slides or whatever it is that you're doing. Because, it, I mean, that basically adds an interactive layer on top of what you're already doing. Um, I've talked about how in the past I'll do a, I'll use Google Slides and give each student a slide and we'll use it as almost like a, just a rapid fire blog. Like here's a place where I'm going to do a quick writing prompt. And I would, I'll tell teachers and I've told my own students in the past before, this is only step one of the activity. The next step is let's discuss it. Let's keep that activity going. Let's keep the conversation going so that it's not just I'm going to write this and I'm going to turn it in for the teacher. And, um, you know, that works great within docs and slides. Um, you know, you can even go bigger than that, of course, by by create, having students create their own blogs or having a class blog where students contribute to it. And then you get comments. And the great thing about the blog, of course, is kind of like what you said, it continues even further because it means that it's up there. And anytime somebody finds one of those blog posts, they can add a comment to it and it doesn't have to end. And so I think the potential for 
discussion, for continuing the conversation so that we're not just doing the activity for the sake of doing it, but it brings up that discussion. It brings up an opportunity to go back and forth and to kind of process what we think about it, I think is huge. Absolutely. And the discussion piece is important for both the reflection uh, of the learning, also the ongoing, you know, learning, sharing with each other. And of course, having that feedback loop with with your students and, and peer feedback as well. You know, I also have done a, a blog post with an infographic on sort of the, the do this, not that kind of idea, and really just sort of getting teachers to think past the traditional right. projects that, that we see over and over again in schools. And, you know, so I'm going to include that in the show notes as well. But part of that is is thinking a little bit bigger, you know, instead of the the trifold science fair project, what if instead they were using Google Sites to to show videos of their experiments, to explain the entire scientific method mm-hmm. and their process, you know, to share all of their 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 pieces of work and, you know, how much more powerful that is in terms of bringing things together or using Google Hangouts to interview a war survivor instead of, you know, just writing a paper yeah. about it. You know, it's really and it's really just sort of making use of these tools to teach the things in new ways. Yeah. And. Can I throw in on that Google Sites idea, which I absolutely love? And, you know, if you think about the reach of that, even if you do it at a science fair and you put it up there and some of the parents go by and some of the kids go by and who knows how many people actually stop and look at it. But if you create something that's out there on the web, that's been indexed by Google, there's a potential that... You know, anybody from around the world could do a search and come across that site and open it up and learn something because of what the student created. I mean, how powerful is that? And as long as that stays up there on the web, it could be educating the world. I mean, that that's kind of a far reaching way of looking at it. I may be overstating that a little bit, but maybe not, you know, that there's that possibility that just because it's out there now there, you know, you could, you could potentially be helping somebody else learn something that you learned and now you're helping them learn it in an easier way. Absolutely. And, you know, the the framework that kind of goes along with this idea of dynamic learning has has several different pieces. But one of those is the push to get students publishing online yeah. instead of turning it in. Um, you know, we should be having giving students an opportunity to publish for a global audience, hopefully an intentional audience. But um, it really saddens me the fact that that's actually super easy to do now. There are so many ways that we can we can oh, yeah. do that. And, and teachers, a lot of them don't raise their hand when I ask that question. And I feel like either one, their school doesn't allow it, which upsets me. But um, at the same time, you know, everybody's like, well, you can't do that. You got to protect their privacy. Nobody says you have to publish names. Um, in fact, you know, especially if you teach the little ones, it's probably going to fall on the teacher to to publish them and give them some audience. But you know what? You could use an initial and you don't have to publish pictures. Mm-hmm. There, There's just too many ways to do it without any mm-hmm. um, you know, any any risk there. And so that's a big push, you know, helping us go beyond the walls of the classroom, not only bringing the outside in, but giving students an audience. And that's something that I learned with my kids was when I had them publishing their writing online, 
I suddenly had kids raising their hands and going, Miss um, Bell, can I edit mine? I didn't know uh, other people going were going to read it. I love it. They gave more value to their work because somebody else besides the teacher was reading yeah. it. And and I cannot emphasize that enough, the, the light bulb moment that I had uh, with that. And so, you know, along with that, any type, and it's not just writing, it's whatever they're doing. And G Suite obviously gives us lots of ways to do that. And, um, you know, really just, again, just thinking, of, and a lot of teachers just frankly haven't even thought about that, the the power of being able to do that. I don't even want to say necessarily the hesitation, but the lack of doing it, of publishing, of giving students work an audience. Um, I think some of it comes down to just what you were saying earlier about fear, um, maybe of, you know, the, the whole identifying thing, kind of like what you said. But sometimes I think we, we use that as an out. Like, oh, well, I don't want to take a chance of messing that part up, so I'm just not going to do it. But really, when we when we educate ourselves on what the rules really are, then there are ways to do it. So I think there's that. I know another real fear for me, too, was I was afraid that I was going to do it and do it wrong, and it was going to be like crickets, and nobody would see it, and it would be off in this obscure corner of the internet that nobody would ever go across. And I thought, well, I've got to come up with a better way to really give them a good audience before I do it. And that was one of the things that was holding me back. But of course, you know, our best laid plans when we don't actually put them into action are just plans and they don't affect kids. So, you know, I think pulling the trigger and kind of learning by experience can help there too. You know, I feel like I learned so much from the questions that I get from teachers that it, it reveals a lot about either the mindset or the ideas or just the lack of of being exposed sure. to certain things. And that that's one of them. But I did have um, a senior English teacher who contacted me for help on getting his kids blogging, but it had to be only published within their school. Oh. <laughs> And I'm like seniors, yeah. like come on, yeah. you know. And so it, it, my, and my, I'm like, why, why, you know? And and it it did actually come down to a policy within the school, which is a whole other issue. Right. But sometimes when I ask that question, they're like, I never thought about that. They're like, is there a way to publish a Google site so that only parents can see it? Well, no, not unless you want to give your parents accounts inside your domain. That's that's not right. going to happen. But my question was, what are you exactly. hiding? Yeah. Like, why hide the learning? Let the learning light yeah. shine. That's that's my point. And because the kids are putting stuff out there anyway, let's put the positive stuff. Let's let them show the good stuff online. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's why I'm so glad that we're we're having this discussion. And I would be fascinated to see like what some of the members of the tribe are doing related to dynamic learning. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, Oh, this sounds just like this thing that I'm doing in class. What I would love to see is for us to kind of like flood the GT tribe hashtag with examples of dynamic learning. If there's something that you already do, and I, I know there are tons of really cool things that are going on out in schools and in classrooms right now, you know, feel free to shoot those over to us on Twitter. Actually, I'm going to do you one Let's better. Do it. 
Yeah. Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and we've totally gotten off of our entire outline. We just, we're just having a good conversation, yes. y'all. And, uh, so there is a website for the book that supports everything. And it, it doesn't matter if you have the book right. yet or not, but you can actually access shakeuplearningbook.com. And there is a page dedicated to lesson plans. So if you, you click on lessons, there is actually a searchable database, which is very small at the moment, because keep in mind, actually, we're recording this and the book hasn't even come out yet. Right. So, but by the time you listen to this, um, there could be more here. But I've got model lessons in here, but I want you to contribute. So if you are interested, there are a couple of different templates that you can use to submit and share share your your experience with other teachers. And, and so I want to encourage you not only to use the hashtag, but hey, take part and submit a lesson because that's another question that I know Matt and I get all the time. We're like, be really great if Google made some place where we could all share our lessons. Well, I'm I'm trying to create at least one place for that and and to help teachers find good ideas. So, you know, sort of using the give one, get one idea, but um, there, there are definitely some great ideas. And I, I encourage you to look at them, even if they don't fit what you teach, because these things are loaded with ideas. And um, you guys have a million great ideas, yeah. too. So we would love to hear from you. Um, by the way, we have way more in the show notes because we're just going to leave <laughs> yep, it in there. Right. <laughs> we don't have time to talk about it, but tons of ways that you can use G Suite to support dynamic learning, including one of my presentations that I did at TCEA back in February. So um, you can get all of that in the show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 51. Hey, y'all, it is time for feedback and shares from the tribe, from you. And we love hearing from you on whichever platform you choose to, to contact us. But we have some, some fun shares in this episode. So the first one is a quick tip from Melissa Widrick. And it's a keyboard shortcut. You know we love our keyboard shortcuts on the Google oh, Teacher yes. Tribe. And she, she suggests to use Control-D when you're in Google Slides to duplicate objects or word art. And she said she loves using word art over the text box because you can adjust the size quickly and then use control D to copy it. And I use this one all the time. It's especially handy when you're doing that stop motion. Thing oh, yeah, too. that's right. We do love a good stop motion slide presentation, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's almost made it into every uh, episode. I know. I'm kind of well. addicted to them, so it's probably my fault. So, all right. So, our next one that we wanted to talk about this comes from Lissa Brunin, and she said that based on the conversation that we had on the show about choice boards and differentiation, um, she has, who I believe is a student of hers named Alyssa Thielen, created something she calls iStations and iPartners. And so it's this neat idea where she basically has uh, kind of like pictures of two iPhones. And one of them has, you know, the, the number keypad where you dial a number. And then there's another one with the contacts and it says speed dial and it's got A, B, C, D, E, F. And so she says she prints them on card, card stock. And uses bingo daubers. So if you can imagine these two uh, iPhones, one with the the number keypad and one with the the speed dial with a little you know A B C D E F and a line next to each one, she says nine stations are set up around the room. Zero is the help desk, 
And then all of the directions and the resources are in a live binder. So they pick their top three that they want to rotate through and they use the bingo daubers to kind of mark them out, but they can access that live binder anytime. This is just, I think, such a a creative presentation of this idea of kind of like stations and connecting kids with partners and everything. I think it's a really neat idea. Yes. Thank you, Lissa, for sharing that. It reminded me a lot of uh, something that I used to do years ago with the clock partners and, and how kids can, uh, work in those flexible groups, you know, working with each other. And so I, I really like that. I hope we understood it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was trying to interpret and get, get all the tweets, but thank you for sharing that with us. Well, an, another thing that we love on the tribe are, reviews and you guys have been leaving some pretty hilarious oh reviews inside yeah. of iTunes. So um I'm I'm actually gonna partner these two people together because I know they are both long term long time listeners <laughs> of the tribe. So um Monica Spillman said I mustache you it, to listen to this <laughs> podcast and gave us five stars. And she says, word sneak challenge, Jimmy, Matt, and Casey make learning about Google as amazing as enjoying a great rosé. <laughs> you can jam with their theme music as you get on board with their Google tips and tricks that are hotter than guacamole with extra oh jalapeno. <laughs> she said, I can't believe I didn't leave a review before. This is my Monday listen on the way to work. So Thank you for that, oh, Monica. <laughs> and not to be outdone, Laura Steinbrink had to chime in here as well. And she says, this podcast by Jimmy, Matt, Matt Miller and Casey Bell is hotter than a jalapeno Ooh. pepper, cheaper than your own jam board, <laughs> and packed full of great ideas and tips you can use right away. So uh, if you have no idea what we're talking about... I. Actually, I don't even remember the episode number, but a few episodes ago, we played the word sneak game. And so they actually took the challenge to sneak those words into the reviews. And it was extremely creative. Oh, so. Yeah, I love that. That was episode 44, <laughs> the Google like a pirate episode. And yeah, so they that that is, that is pretty clever. I never would have thought <laughs> to do that. So hats off to Monica and Laura for those amazing reviews. And of course, if you've enjoyed the Google Teacher Tribe podcast and wouldn't mind it, we would love to see your review on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And if we got another word sneak challenge in there into those reviews, we wouldn't be upset about that. So let's switch to the on the blog segment of the show. And I'm going to cheat just a little bit on this one because usually we like to share a blog post that has us thinking or has some really good ideas in it. And instead of sharing a blog post, I'm going to actually share another podcast. And so this is a podcast that just recently launched by former Google Teacher Tribe Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Guest. Yes, yes, that's it. Leave it in. Former Google Teacher Tribe guest, Jen Giffen. And so she has teamed up with Kim Polishuk uh, to create this podcast that I think has the most clever name. So remember, Jen Giffen, Kim Polishuk. I hope I'm saying Kim's name right. It's called 
the Shooks and GIF podcast. Shooks and GIF the podcast. And so I, I listened to the first episode already and it has just a ton of really good, clever, practical ideas that you can use in the classroom. And it is very Google centric. So if you love the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, you definitely ought to check that out. They are creating it on the Anchor platform, which is where I've started the Ditch That Textbook podcast too. So you can get to that by going to anchor.fm and just searching for Shooks and GIF. Um, and of course, we've got a link in the show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 51. Yes, I totally agree. I listened to their first episode as well. They did a great job and I had no idea that anybody else was excited about the long hair bit emoji. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so we had a good time, but yeah, uh, there's always something fun happening. And I think so many people have started podcasting now too. And it's such a great medium. So happy to share that as well. I have a blog post on tech tips. And I will tell you, even though tech is in the title, these are really just tips for teachers, period. And they all come from inside the book. But these are the tips that I catch myself saying over and over again, to help teachers to help them plan, you know, meaningful technology integration, and how to make use and take the burden off of themselves and get the kids to do the hard thinking. So um, you can check that out and check out Shooks and Jeff. See, (laughs) I have to think about it when I say it. I have to think about it. Oh, it's so hard. So, and now I know why she has to prefer that yes. pronunciation. So that was actually in the podcast as well. But but thanks, guys. So those links, of course, are in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 51. Okay, y'all. Well, that wraps up episode 51 of the Google Teacher Tribe. And we are so happy that you are coming along on this journey with us today. And this time, I promise I'm not going to talk about walking or guacamole or rosé, but I think <laughs> I just did. So, um, you just did. So go check it out. We hope that you uh, connect with the ideas inside dynamic learning as much as we have and that this sparks some great conversations for you and your teachers as well. Yep, absolutely. Um, And if you haven't left a rating or review, or if you're not subscribing to the show, you're breaking our heart. No, I'm just kidding. But if you want to do that, you know, feel free to go to googleteachertribe.com and you'll find information on how to do all of that stuff. So until then, we will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech Podcast.